Hello everyone, I'm Stella. I'm Sophia. And I'm Vanessa. We host Generation Discourse. Generation Discourse is a platform for young people to come up with, share, and discuss ideas within the realm of theory and the abstract. You'll find us talking about philosophy, current events, and social concerns. You're listening to part two of our conversation on Slacktivism. If you want a better understanding of what's going on, we recommend you listen to Slacktivism part one, social media. This episode can be listened to as a standalone piece as well, as you'll find the topic has evolved into nationalism. I feel like when you're when you're talking about like indigenous people's like just viewpoints full stop, like you always see a pattern of them getting kind of stamped stamped on by other opinions. So like that's traditionally why, like especially in New Zealand, like they've had to take a lot of extreme action against like what's been done to them. Right. So you're saying that um the fact that they're usually like taking a backseat and priority. Um, kind of provides the need for actions helping them to be like done more quickly. I just, mm, I just feel like, um, you know, when you're talking about a group that has been like historically oppressed for, like, in New Zealand, it's for like, um, how long? Like a few hundred years, but like in America, also like a very, very long time, like nearly half, half. Uh, what do you call it? Like a millennia. Um, yeah, like it's like it's very hard to get out of that trap, you know, in like a way, in like in like a systematic way that was created by like the white people, by the people who were in power, right? Like when when you have white people creating a system, it's very hard for indigenous people or for those who have been oppressed to like flourish in that. So I think, like I personally think, you need to like step away from that system in order to like actually be noticed and to actually like create outside change if you know what i mean Mm. right yeah yeah i guess it's the idea that not just oppression but i guess oppression manifesting in 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 financial ways as well i guess looking at the idea of the poverty trap and how that is inherited by generations and generations i think that is very solid evidence of what you just said definitely yeah so in some ways like coming back to um the statues and such like i feel like um you really do kind of need that action even though intuitively it doesn't seem like particularly right and it doesn't seem like and it does seem like a bit extreme um i think you do need that kind of um bold action in order to like stray more away from the norm because i think like personally i feel like in new zealand like the majority are either um like i don't really care like what happens with the statues or like i like they just keep the statues there like these are people who like i admire or like my family admires or we have like some kind of history with you know mm. um right yeah. yeah i think what you said yeah. makes sense Vanessa. Mm-hmm. um about yeah about like when you have a system that was historically designed to like act against the interest of a certain group it's probably not that fair to expect the group to have to go through that very same system in order to kind of change things well since we're on the topic of uh of the statues and you mentioned vanessa you mentioned that well you you said that you think that most new zealanders are generally very complacent most kiwis are fairly complacent when it comes to these issues and 
it's kind of the she'll be right mentality, I think, uh, that I can definitely relate to. And that's, I think, a very interesting avenue for discussion as well, because New Zealanders, they're not necessarily conservative. I guess it is technically conservative because they just want to keep the way things are as they are. But they they just generally are very un, uninvolved, almost apathetic, I think. And I guess that's because we live in such a peaceful place. And that, that is a blessing, I guess. But because of that, we've sort of, we've become very apathetic to the world and what's happening. And so even in the face of the Black Lives Matter protest, I think for the most part, New Zealanders have sort of stood by on the sidelines, generally shrugging it off, so to speak. And hmm, I'm not sure. I, I, I definitely do think that that isn't a good thing. Yeah, I, I agree I with you. I think that's definitely something that happens in New Zealand. It's like, I, f- I feel like it's less it's because like we live in like a really peaceful place, but it's more just like um, traditionally, like I, th- I feel like you see this more like boomers and like um, Gen, what's it, like Gen X, is it? Um, mm. You have like a very like, it's not particularly like a good look for you if you get like overly like emotionally heated up over like a particular thing. So like you see that in just like the stoic kind of like, you know, like I like COVID-19, like she'll be all right. Like that's something that the government is actually act- actively trying to like um, fight against, like that kind of attitude. But I think that like definitely pervades into political opinion too. Like you don't want to be like, you don't want to seem like super emotionally attached to a particular viewpoint because that just makes you seem like less stoic and like less like you're you're like classic Kiwi lad who you're like I don't I don't care about anything I'm just gonna like drink my beer and have my barbie and like life's good you know mm-hmm. yeah and it's interesting that you mentioned how that's especially the case for boomers and Gen X I think definitely for millennials and Gen Z it's much less so and I think just coming back to, like, the social media thing, like, I think it's just because we've been exposed to, a, like, so many perspectives, like, globally online. And so it's, mm. like, it's it's normal for us to see, like, these, ex- or, or not extreme, like, perhaps people who are more emotionally attached to their opinion. Like, you, you mm. see that all the time on social media, you know, like, people, like, giving really emotional rants on TikTok and such. Um, where yeah. if you're confined to, like, a New Zealand bubble, that becomes, like, less normalised. Um, and so like, that's when you begin to like have that like stoic, um, kind of attitude, um, permeate into yourself. Mm -hmm. I like, I, I I just, um, I just like how the conversation has flowed so far. It's really interesting how for us, we were talking about slacktivism and now we've sort of reached a topic about New Zealand's attitude towards, I guess, change in general. I think that's really interesting. I just, yeah, I just really like how the conversations flow to this point. Um, to add on to what you just said, I think it's interesting how in New Zealand, um, a lot of countries view New Zealanders to be very liberal, socially liberal as well. Um, and when, when I saw that, I, I sort of disagreed because I thought, I didn't, I didn't really think that New Zealanders were actively being extremely socially liberal or campaigning for like social liberalism. I think 
you have a few people, especially people in like millennials or Gen Z that are more involved in campaigning for these issues. But I think that for the most part, a lot of New Zealanders are just, um, as you said, like very complacent. And if let's say a certain agenda comes up, I think most people generally don't give it too much thought. Like they just sort of almost go with the flow, I think. And so that could seem because everyone is so like, uh, friendly and because it's so, so much less polarized than America and people are so much less opinionated because they just go with the flow to Americans. I think it can seem like New Zealanders are very generally socially liberal, but I think perhaps it's not just that New Zealanders are very socially liberal. Maybe it's also the fact that New Zealanders generally are very non-confrontational and they also just like to go with the flow. What do you guys think about that? Um, I think that's true. Just, just from personal experience, like a lot of the people, um, I've met in my life, so like classmates, um, it, also like, you know, people's families, adults, that kind of thing. Like, I've met a lot of people who, when it comes to these kind of social issues, such as like racial issues or, you know, like gender related issues, they just kind of like to remove themselves from it. They're like, they don't take the stance of, you know, like Black Lives Matter in particular or like, you know, anything else related to like anything else that you would affiliate with the same kind of political stances. But their attitudes are mainly just, um, um, why are we even caring about this? Just treat everybody equally, that kind of thing. Like, mm. I don't know, like a lot of people I've met just kind of prefer to remove them, um, like continue going forward as if the issue didn't exist. So do you think that New Zealanders are... I also mentioned that they are very like generally non-confrontational and they like sort of, as you said, they like to remove themselves from the issue. Do you think that New Zealanders generally, do you think that New Zealanders so much less polarized than America because they don't like to get into arguments with one another because they're so confrontational? Um, I mean, I don't consider myself that knowledgeable on it, but I think that's probably one of the factors, yeah. I mean, I feel like the other factor you have to consider is just that, like, although we have, like, Labour and National, where, like, National is, like, the more right-wing and Labour is, like, relatively more left-wing. Like, if you place these two parties in America or, like, um, in pretty much, like, any other country other than, like, Australasia, right? Like, we are pretty left. Just, like, generally, like, our governments are inherently pretty left in the context Mm -hmm. of the world. And so, like, mm. even though, like, to us, like, nationals already, like, um, right, I think, like, just our governments themselves, like, become, like, a reflection of the way that we just see these um, viewpoints ourselves as, like, mm. citizens of this government. Mm. And so, like, the question I'm asking then is just, like, is this kind of, like, political, um, I guess, like, stance that people generally associate with the nation as a whole? Is that, like, a result of the people or is that a result of the government? Hmm. What do you mean by the, uh, the government? Well, um, just like, um, as I kind of said, like, just generally, if you look at the policies of um, national, like, the only kind of, like, significantly right-wing part of it, I, I'm not that knowledgeable about their policies, but I feel like it's just... Um, mainly that they're more towards like a little bit of like a free market like support support small businesses but if you look at like america's like conservatives 
like they are hardcore you know and mm. like they they are like relatively like actually like much more left wing sorry not right wing um than what like um any of our parties probably stand for mm. it's interesting um as you mentioned american conservatives are much more hardcore conservative both economically and socially than conservatives in new zealand and um it's interesting because if you look at the overton window which is something in political um science it's like as you said if you place the all those parties on a political spectrum it's interesting because once one once one issue or once one party begins to sort of shift further to the left or further to the right you generally have this shift in the overton window which is what is deemed socially acceptable and what is deemed the norm and so when donald trump became president of america he drastically shifted the overton window and so a lot of things that donald trump says and a lot of the policies that the trump administration had in place that would have you know been extremely radical only five years ago they're considered norm now a lot of people even democrats they've subconsciously sort of shifted more to the right whether they wanted to or not and i think it's interesting because i i feel that in a sense although although that should be the case um for america's like america's conservatives although although that should be the case and although america's conservatives should become less and less conservative as the years go by if we are following the logic of the open window it's interesting to note that that's not actually happening because although we well although the left the democrats on um in america are becoming you know they're pro, they're pressing for more economically and socially liberal policies for example cortez's green new deal although the left is continuously pushing further left the right is almost holding the ground if not going further to the right as sort of a a movement against that so i think that's really interesting um i don't think i don't think that's happening in new zealand though i think we're generally stable and complacent as alan mentioned well what i find like most interesting about um america's um conservative like perspective is like how much it's influenced by religion like religion's crazy in america it's like especially in like a like a western like modern democracy like you never really see that kind of influence of on religion on like especially politics and kind of um a lot of other western um democracies and i just think that that's like a huge part of um, how the conservative viewpoints have been like shaped um because mm. it is like very in line with um conservative religious and like sometimes even like extreme religious viewpoints mm. Yeah and although I think it's um I th- yeah because you know a lot of us are taken very aback when we see the extent to which they have certain viewpoints and when we see just how much religion influences their viewpoints and policies but I think the fact that we are so shocked in a sense shows us just how much i guess the narrative or shows us how much the cultural landscape or the political landscape is skewed left especially socially i think so 
by that I mean we're so we've subconsciously shifted for the most part. Most people, I think, in New Zealand, we've we've subconsciously shifted so far to a point where we now think that those conservative values are like extremely like almost unnatural in a sense, and we're taken aback by them. And I think it comes to show just how much we've progressed and sort of shifted along the political spectrum unknowingly. And I think it's it's also interesting because um, in America, I think, well, I, I, we keep coming back to America, but um, there's such an interesting case study. If you look at how Donald Trump won in 2016 and how everyone was so shocked, I mean, because as you said, as you said, Vanessa, Donald Trump winning, I mean, like you said that like people, you like you yourself are so shocked by like, um, like some people on the conservative right in America. But, but you could say that Donald Trump's election was kind of like, it, Donald Trump is like the, the embodiment of like, like conservative America right now. Like he, he is like the literal representation of conservative America. And so many people were like disgusted. They were like, you know, repulsed. They were just, they were so taken aback by his election and his rise to power. But I think that shows how almost like disconnected people are in America, like how they think that their political sphere is is perfect. And when something else intrudes that vision, like they become so terrified because that's not what they have been, you know, they've been accustomed to believe in. Yeah. Yeah, I think what you brought up is really interesting. I think um, two things. I first think that um, when you talk about like Donald Trump as like a embodiment of um, America's conservative perspectives, I think, I personally think that he's not like the perfect embodiment. Like what I think, what he more represents, um, what he now represents, is like a more um, maybe like a more modern take on it. Because I think um, if you go back to like really um, traditional American conservative views, um, they're probably much more different to like Donald Trump. Um, but I think like he's he's embodying like a really like a bold and like a really like boisterous kind of um, conservative viewpoint. Um, mm, definitely, yeah, 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 yeah. He he does, He's not like a textbook conservative. Yeah, I mean, pr- I'm pretty sure that he was a Democrat and he voted Democrat for most of his life. So he's just sort of like, I guess, selecting the elements of conservatism that he thinks will be useful for his rise to power. I guess so. Maybe he's not the most accurate depiction of the traditional conservative in America, but he's definitely. He has definitely changed, I think, fundamentally, uh, the conservative right in America. I think um, you also brought up another really interesting point, Jimin, um, that um, I just want to ask Alan, like, why do you think, because Jimin talked about, like, um, Americans are very much, um, like, absorbed in their perspective of, like, what's right and what's left, and they think that there's kind of, like, um, it's like a bubble of perspective. I guess that's a weird analogy, but like this bubble of what they believe in is like really perfect and it's very difficult for them to try to accept the other side. Like, why do you think that America has become such a polarized um, kind of, you know, society with such polarizing perspectives compared to other nations too? I mean, I guess that's kind of a difficult question to answer. And oh, this, this kind of... Um, doesn't directly answer the question. But one thing that I thought was kind of interesting was when you kind of um, suggested like religious factors as one of the reasons why 
kind of like um what the right considered kind of um acceptable with like kind of the progression of leftist kind of views um i thought it's interesting because the church isn't necessarily like this thing that's set in stone right because um as the modern era has progressed we've seen that some churches are actually like increasingly accepting of um leftist ideas for example like churches that accept the lgbtq plus community for example um so yeah i don't know it doesn't actually answer the question but i just thought like i guess there is some hope for a future kind of non-divisiveness between the left and the right that they're not just necessarily going to continue accelerating away from each other it's interesting because you mentioned that they are accelerating away from each other and i think most people that are studying this field agree that america is more polarized more than ever like in terms of beliefs and many agree that the the rift between the left and the right is ever growing but you have people you have sort of um people in academia who are very divided over this question some people are saying that the people on the right are to blame they say that they are shifting extremely far right and that is why it seems like there's such deep polarization and then you have academics on the opposite end who are saying that actually conservatives as their namesake namesake you know implies they're just staying true to what they believe in they're just staying stable and then that it is actually the liberals that are progressing further left and thus it seems that the division is being accelerated by both sides so what do you guys think when you're looking at the rift between these two sides in america and the growing polarization do you guys think that it's because both sides are shifting away from each other or do you think that it's one side or well i'd argue that you don't really have them like becoming more separate from each other i think it's more that it's like evolved into like different kinds of uh beings right like i think um like if you look at america before like um the conservative viewpoint was like more in line with what you'd say is like like the dictionary definition of conservative like very like traditional values um and and now i think like in the modern era like con um the conservative um perspective has just like transformed especially like what you said dreaming with the influence of the trump administration um but i feel like um what really what's really interesting to me about america and i only i only kind of realized this when i went to america and talked to some americans but, but um like I, I was just asking them like why do you have such insane perspectives like why is your country crazy and then they were just kind of like you know like we just love america so much and so like that's why we like have such strong opinions about america because we are so patriotic like we are so proud of our country and our history and we just want the best for our country. And so if it means that if you're like a left wing, someone on the left wing and you see Trump like um, becoming president, like you, you will die hard to like get mm. um, Hillary Clinton or whoever the, um, you know, um, the democratic um, uh, candidate up on there. Right. Like they, mm. they just, they just love their country so much they're willing to take that really like hardcore perspective to get 
to what they believe is best for their country. And I think, like, personally, that's why, like, in New Zealand, you just never kind of get that because no one, no one, you, you see, in, like, in New Zealand, just, like, hoist, like, a massive flag of New Zealand <laughs> on their front lawn and, like, mm. I don't know, like, sings a national anthem to the flag every morning. Like, you just don't see that in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, like, that patriotism is such, like, an icon of America. Mm. I absolutely agree with what you just said. And I think that's actually quite a, like, a brilliant explanation of why this polarization exists. And that could be a very important like, facet as to why this polarization exists. And yeah, that, that's just something that I'm fascinated with. It, like, the, the extent to which, like, the lengths to which Americans go to like, show their pride for their nation. It's crazy, as you said. You have people who have those massive as American flags on the back of their Ford um, pickup trucks. And yeah, it's crazy. And yeah, I mean, you really don't see that level of aggressive patriotism in New Zealand. Uh, and I, I was thinking, a part of me is glad, a part of me is glad that New Zealand isn't so obsessed and almost blind to criticism. Like if you criticize someone, some American about America and an issue that they're facing. And I have experienced a lot of like um, negative reactions from a lot of Americans that I've met over the years when I've had discussions with them, they tend to be extremely defensive. Like it's interesting because when you have Americans and they themselves are debating issues about America, they're allowed to debate issues about America. But then once I, a foreigner gets involved in the discussion, both of them become like extremely disgusted. They're like, no, you have no right to say anything. Like we are Americans and we get to decide, decide what's happening. And I think that's, yeah, quite accurate. Um, yeah. So as I was saying, a part of me is, uh, glad that New Zealand isn't so aggressively in your face patriotic but then again a part of me like a really small part of me thinks what imagines what it would be like if New Zealand was a little bit more patriotic like a little bit more upfront about their nationality and a little bit more I guess proud proud of their nation in that traditional sense and I a part of me thinks it wouldn't be such a bad thing if we saw more New Zealand flags around I mean, do you think that, like, we aren't, we just don't love our country as much as an American does? Or is it just that we express it in, like, a less, um, like, upfront kind of way, but the the love for our country exists just as much? Um, I think it's to do with kind of, like, historical roots of our respective nations right like with america like the literal birth of their nation was founded on um you know people kind of gaining their independence back and coming together forming the constitution to form like this kind of very individualistic entity right and with new zealand like it didn't really quite happen that way so Mm. yeah i think um our historical cultures probably did play a big part in that Mm. yeah like how do like teenagers or like you know, like millennials in America, like still connect so much with that history though. Like mm. I, I personally like when you talk about like Waitangi, like I understand that's a very integral part of New Zealand mm. history, but that just doesn't resonate with me personally. Mm. 
And so why would something like the, the formation of um, America's constitution just like, it still resonates so soundly in um, young Americans as well. Hmm. I think, yeah. I, I mean, I admit that I, I admit that as well. When I learn about Waitangi and when it's Waitangi day, I don't feel a, a lump in my throat. I don't feel this sense of immense pride for my country and the founding document. Whereas on, on July 4th, you have Americans that are extremely, extremely proud of their nation and the birth of their nation. And I think as New Zealanders, um, I think we definitely are proud, but I think we, we could be like, I think maybe... New Zealanders should realize that we have things that we should be very, very proud of. I think a lot of New Zealanders tend to sort of go, nah, like, we're fine, but like, we don't really, they tend to downplay their achievements. I think a lot of Kiwis tend to downplay New Zealand's achievements and the great things that New Zealand has achieved. For example, the Treaty of Waitangi, I think that in itself, although it has its fair share of problems, if you look at that founding document and how it's written in, English and the indigenous language and how it's a treaty between these two groups of people, although it's flawed in some senses, it is fundamentally different to any, any other founding document that you'll find in any other countries. I'm pretty sure it's like, yeah, like one of the few documents that actually have both of these cultures intertwined. And so that is something that New Zealanders should be so, so proud of. And yet, as a New Zealander, I don't really feel that immense pride. I don't think I've been taught to feel that immense pride. I don't think the New Zealand education system has really enforced that to the extent which the uh, American education system does. Yeah, I definitely yeah. agree with that. Yeah, like um, I was, I was just binging some world history. Oh, by the way, um, guys, um, it's been an hour. Um, so if any of you guys have to go now, um, feel free. Cool. Okay. Well, I think I have to leave now. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. Just, like, okay. Thank you very much, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Ellen. Nice meeting you. Nice meeting you too, man. Thank you so much for being here. Bye. If you liked this episode, give the podcast a follow on wherever you're listening so you'll be the first to know when we upload. We'll be releasing an episode every Sunday, New Zealand time. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We're Generation Discourse everywhere.